good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to this week's Table Talk. I'm so good to have you guys with us. We are joined this week with uh, Miss Allie Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the table. Allie, you've been you know, involved often with our, our Journey Discipleship groups, and uh, Allie is also one of the most faithful members of our Sunday morning equipping class day right, as well. Right. So uh, right. she's going to help us uh, equip today. Is Good. Well. And, uh, Good and welcome, David. Uh, Glad to today. be here. Glad to be here. Thank uh, to, you. Today we are on, uh, well, the message that you uh, covered for us Sunday. Luke chapter uh, 5. Right. Luke 5, 12 through 26. Right. And right. we see two passages uh, that are really healing passages. Yes. And so before we get into that, we always like to ask, you know, was there anything insightful or aha or what did, what did we learn just, you know, kind of surprised us maybe? Um, well, what you pointed out, I think, David, with um, just even the Son of God needing to go to pray to get, you know, strengthened and have the communi- communion with the Father um, and how that's an example for us. Mm. Um, also, in that leper story, um, I thought it was interesting how um, the leper said, if you are willing. Okay. Mm. And because I think it indicates that there wasn't a supposition or that he was, you know, all he had to do is, you know, be around Jesus and and be healed, but that if Jesus was willing and and shows the humility of his spirit Mm. instead of the maybe an entitled kind of spirit. Yeah, yeah. And so that was something that was interesting. But then, of course... You know, Jesus says, I am willing. And um, it just makes me think about some of the New Testament scriptures. Like, if you uh, confess to me, I am faithful and just to. Yes. And so that it's interesting. The character there is. um, That's a great. Yeah. You see it again in the New Testament and that, you know, he's always willing if you're repentant. Yeah. He but, wasn't demanding either. He was, right. you know, so, if it be your will, you know, yeah. this is how you should pray too, right? So, right. So that yeah. humility um, is how we're supposed to approach. That's the Great. proper standing. Great. So that's Good. something that Great stood insight. out. Good word, Alex. Great insight. David, anything new for you when you... Just, it, it's remarkable to me how the Pharisees could seemingly be so hard-hearted as mm. to see a leper instantaneously cleansed and healed or a paralytic get up and walk Mm -hmm. um and yet be concerned about well not for example this passage but other passages his having done it on a sabbath day or some of these other details their religious tradition Mm -hmm. being so important to them Mm -hmm. that they could be blinded to the reality of who was standing right before them yeah, yeah. So interesting. We're going to touch on the Pharisees here yeah. in a moment, too. And, you know, the one thing, David, I think that stood out to me is right there in, in verse 12, really, and 13, I guess it's into 13, that is it says, if you are willing, or if mm-hmm. you are willing, you know, you mm-hmm. can make me clean. And then it's what Jesus did and you emphasized is that he not just said, be healed, he actually touched him. Touched him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I thought about that, when you mentioned it, it was both sort of um, this response against, you know, the, the uncleanliness, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will not be defiled if I touch you, N- know that. And so I right. think that was a demonstration. But, you know, I just, I just felt like there was an element of humanity in that mm-hmm. and the relational aspect. And it made me think, too, because of the emphasis on healing, um, you know, we, we lay hands 
on yeah. each other when we pray yeah. often, that there's a, there's a touch aspect to that. Right. And um, just just made me think how the, the humility even in Jesus' response, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. I think just the, the human touch sometimes yeah. that we see is... Certainly, really, he could have just spoken the word if he wanted yeah, to. He could have said, "Well, don't get any closer." Right? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're bad off. I don't yeah. want to come close yeah. to you. But it was almost like he embraced. You know, to touch a leper was basically a big old embracing hug for mm. for most of us, and uh, and that's and he healed mm. him through that. So I, wow. that just uh, really uh, spoke to me that you pointed that out. So, well, uh, as we look at some of the other questions here, Allie, we like to begin with just reading the word. And if, if you wouldn't mind reading chapter 5, verses 12 through 26, and uh, feel free to comment if there's anything in there, too. That... Okay. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand, and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. He ordered him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed for their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray, or and pray. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he had been laying on, lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Mm. Thank you, Allie. And so, yeah, so two different episodes here, right? The second one even starts on another day or then there was another day. And the stretcher one is always, at, the, at least in, in my um, background experience, it was always as a child, that was one of those Bible stories that always you I was visualize. amazed by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, what would that be like to that? lift down and come back down? And so, great. Thank you, Allie, for that. And as we look at it, David, we did get a question. Okay. Uh, we got a couple of questions, actually. And uh, the first one is from Ted. He sent me an email and he said, uh, relative to our time of prayer and healing, right? And with this passage in mind, um, you know, um, how would you tell someone uh, that it is um, that, tell someone it is different, or is it different than pastors who claim to be able to heal larger numbers of people, to cure them from cancer, to make them walk again? You know what what uh, we did at the end of our service, right? Well, this, right. Uh, what? How do you tell someone to? Know the difference in that. Know or, the difference. Or should you? you know? Well, um, I suspect Ted is thinking about you know some of the folks we see on TV, large Sounds groups, like, and yeah. 
so forth. A um, couple of differences. Uh, the healing ministry, the healing ministry within the local church, it, it seems to me that James chapter 5 is calling us to, to go to the church leadership for prayer, okay. anointing with oil. What I like about that, it's not signaling out one person, one person not getting all the credit. There's not one hero. Um, I'm a little concerned with what I see in these large meetings with a person on television. I find myself a little, Mm -hmm. likely a little skeptical sometimes Mm -hmm. of things like that that I see. Mm. Um, If you don't know the person, you don't know the fruit of their lives, frankly, I don't really want someone laying hands on me if I don't know something about their character, Mm. who they are. Uh, a person who's been placed into an office in the church, typically their character is, is okay. known. They represent okay. the leadership of the church. And um, so I see a difference there, right. for one. Would you also say, as you say that, sometimes we see this and there's almost a promised healing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, as if they can guarantee that the Lord's will will be in this for, for you to be cured. Probably a caution. Yes, and the caution that I I particularly get concerned about just in the church as one who's seen this some is when a person, perhaps a person on a podium in a large, you know, concert Mm -hmm. venue puts the weight of burden on the person who is sick being prayed for it. If you have enough faith, if you do this, if you do this. Mm -hmm. I think of the time when Jesus' own followers came and uh, they couldn't heal this young boy who had a demon. His, his father actually came to Jesus and said, your disciples couldn't cast him out. Oh, and they said, why can't we cast him out? And Jesus said, you know, your lack of faith. Now, don't put the burden on the oh, afflicted okay. person. If okay. you want to put the faith burden on somebody, put it on, put it on okay. yourself. Okay. So it always bothers me. I, we, I don't think we should ever put a burden on an afflicted person. Person, okay. yeah. That you got a the, the only faith mm-hmm. Jesus seemed to require was that a person come to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So that that you know, there are things that bothered me about the the yeah. large, you know, high profile, well known person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I, I see. Uh, I I believe God still does heal, but it's where He it, like with His gifts, they're mm-hmm. distributed as the Spirit wills, when, right. where, how. Um, frankly. <clears throat> You know, I don't see a lot of things like lepers being cleansed or lame mm-hmm. people being instantly paralyzed, people being right. instantly cured. But um, I see that Scripture certainly provides sure. for this, and I also hear about it a lot mm-hmm. in other countries mm. on the mission field. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, one of our missionaries in Pakistan told me the, the people he sees coming to faith have typically, most often there's been some mm-hmm. dramatic form of healing in answer wow. to prayer. So. Yeah, it's, wow. it's interesting. Well, well, I will tell you, you know, I had an interesting testimony yesterday after the service, and certainly won't, uh, you know, point this person out, but just shared a, a, a testimony of a, a relatively similar to leprosy, a skin and nerve disease that, upon hmm. prayer, um, had been removed from her 2017, I believe, and has not wow. returned, and wow. was told she would live with it, and so, but was being prayed over as well, and and it was very, seemed very genuine and. Mm-hmm. Um, just a wonderful witness to the glory that yeah. she gave God in that. Yeah. And, but um, so I thought again, I thought you explained it really well, and I don't know, you know, the anointing of oil. I thought was a really great explanation, symbolic, and um, the, the Holy Spirit's present, but nothing, 
magical anointing. Have you ever right. been anointed right. with oil in prayer? No. Yeah, okay. But it, that was helpful know. for me to understand why oil, as it's a symbol. Right. Yeah. The symbols. Mm-hmm. Scripturally instructed. So that was, I did have someone know. pour a bunch of oil on my head one time <laughs> when I was working as a sales rep, and I I went by his office to be prayed for. Happened. He, he was a medical doctor at the okay. White Baptist Hospital, and. He, he was going to anoint me, and I didn't think he was going to pour all. I had a tie. Yeah. I had a suit on. came down on my tie. And I, so just, I'm very yeah. cautious to tell him, hey, it's just a little dab. Just a little just dab. symbolic. Yeah. Well, it, it, there was one other question, too. And uh, this question says, you know, uh, when you think of diseases or afflictions today, do you believe they are the result of, of our sin, I guess collective sin, culturally, society, human, humanity, <clears throat> uh, or the sins of past generations? Now, when I hear that question, I think about John 9, yeah. and you know, who, who sinned, him or his parents? Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, neither one. Yeah. Neither one sinned, but uh, that the, the glory of God may be revealed right. in this. And um, I also think about just our fallen state. Yeah, it's a fallen world. Um, death there's, is... There's much that we, we're not going to... We don't always look for a root spiritual right. cause for every affliction in That's life. Right. Those questions are not going to be answered. Mm-hmm. Right. The Apostle Paul says the outer man is perishing, but the yes. inner man is being renewed daily. Yeah. So and, it's uh, part of our fallen world. Yeah, there seems to be, and if if we if you know if 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 in this world there was a condition of full restoration. Uh, then there would be no future garden. You know, right. there there would not be the actual uh, promised eternal restoration. Uh, it would seem to be that we would have it now. So uh, we know that. Yeah, I think that kind of dovetails with um, if people are going through the journey curriculum and Randy Pope talking about the deposits of glory. I think is how he puts oh, okay. it. Yeah. So that we we are not always healed. But we sometimes are, and it's yeah. a demonstration yeah. Yeah. Uh, of His power. Good, yeah, good word. All right, well, good. Well, thank you for those questions, Ted, and uh, the other questions we got online. And um, the, next, let's just talk about the historical insight real quick. And it's um, you know in the passage this week, David, you referenced this early on the Pharisees, right? And I think the interesting thing that uh, that we should probably take out of this is you know we we have the Old Testament, and we don't have Pharisees. Sadducees, any of the religious leaders. We have the priests and, and what was established to Moses. We get to the New Testament, and all of a sudden there's Pharisees. And so I, I think the important thing about understanding who the Pharisees were was that they weren't all, we, we hear the word and we think, well, it's synonymous with hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, they're all bad. They weren't all bad. Uh, in fact, many will say that um, their convictions, their beliefs, their understanding of the Hebrew scriptures as a whole, compared to the Sadducees who really just thought about the Torah, um, that Jesus would have not only been more aligned with, but often he probably would have been um, uh, thought of by outsiders as a Pharisee, mm-hmm. of having been a uh, of the Pharisee party mm-hmm. or sect, uh, that they were actually the party that established around the uh, Maccabean revolt. Um, in fact, we see some of those in first and second Maccabees. Yes. in second Maccabees, we see reference to really the ideological seed of this group that forms around 165 BC as the temple is being restored. Uh, the Pharisees kind of come to power with the Sadducees because they're restoring this next, you know, temple after it would been defiled. Uh, they want to take the, uh, 
They want to take scripture and the law to the people. They want to be able to practice outside of the temple. Uh, they want to represent the Jewish people to the political leaders. So there's a there's a real. They believed in resurrection. None of the the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. So a lot of this and comes along, and I, I think it's just interesting to know. You know, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, so it certainly wasn't all of them. Right. Um, right. And. Um, that um, 98 times we see it, and it's often the fact that they saw themselves as the strict gatekeepers of, the, of Judaism, and, and that they, they started applying these man-made restrictions, and it was that self-righteousness that got them uh, in, in, in trouble or the tension between them and Jesus throughout. Do you, do you think of anything when you hear Pharisees? or? Um, um, yeah, just, just like what you said, just um, uh, they kind of felt like they were special or mm -hmm. higher than others. I know they, you had talked a long time ago about um, certain things that, phylacteries? Yeah, different things like that, which <clears throat> would be seen outwardly, but a lot of the things they did were to be seen outwardly. Yeah. Um, but I know that they did other things that were pretty good, like, pretty much preserving the old testament yeah, right that's right that's right yeah and so and the oral tradition yeah yeah so maybe uh you know we're we're looking at it from two different you could look at it from both perspectives that yeah. they actually um you know carried on a lot of things that we are benefiting yeah. from even today yeah. but you know jesus said that he didn't come you know, for the righteous, he came oh, for sinners. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And they, you know, they, they, uh, they in, insisted on, on, uh, piety mm -hmm. and, you know, there've been periods, of, I mean, Jonathan Edwards was very pious. So that in itself is not a bad word, but it was that extension of legalism into that piety, right. um, as well. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll say about them is we see in acts, uh, where Paul mentions the great schools of philosophy, um, uh, Gamaliel, and uh, Gamaliel was a Pharisee. So the Pharisees were also known for establishing these schools of philosophy and religious thought. And uh, so it's, it's a very um, rich sort of um, understanding that enables us to sort of see what's going on a little bit better. But, uh, you know, a lot of it was uh, they brought on themselves. Mm -hmm. But let's just not throw all of them out with, <laughs> you know, the idea of hypocrisy. Right. Um, and again, I think it strikes us sometimes when we think, you know, Jesus, in the way of their beliefs, he would have been very fam uh, familiar and similar to them. Mm -hmm. But uh, this, I don't know if that helps, but that's that's in the passage this week, so we wanted yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, a question for you. Jesus okay. instructs the leper to do two things. Yes. Um, what are they? Why do you think he asks the leper to do those things? Yeah, so in uh, 514, after he heals and the leprosy is gone, he says, but go... And show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. But before that, he had ordered him to tell no one. Mm -hmm. Right? So he ordered him to tell no one, but then go and show yourself to the priest. The second one, and what I think for our groups to understand and maybe talk through, is the second one is pretty simple. Uh, based on the, uh, the purity laws, that once a leper or anyone who was sick or had been defiled was now cleansed, they could go prove themselves to the priest and be brought back into community. Right. So right. this was a way for him to go and make himself back part of the community. The second one's kind of odd, though. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Just, uh, hey, don't, don't say anything. Don't tell anybody. 
and, and you got to think, well, some people are just going to kind of wonder, right? And uh, do you, before I go, what, yeah, like a small I mean, group, what would I ask you? What do well, you think? because sometimes when he would do a healing, he would say, go tell people. And then yeah. sometimes he would say, no. I think it was just the timing of this. Um, he was able to discern that it would get in the way of what he was re- yeah. ready to accomplish. And so, um, you know, I don't know why this one is don't tell anyone that some of them say go tell someone. But he does yeah. say if you go to the priest, it could be a testimony to yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I do think the publicity at this point in his ministry, he he didn't want diverting from the message. Right. Right. And right. so I also hear in that kind of the blessed are those who believe but don't see, you know, he's. He still wants the message to be first and foremost. And, and we see what happens if we look at Mark. Mark 145 is uh, this episode of uh, the, uh, the healing and the cleansing. And in 45, he says, but he, the leper, did go out and begin to proclaim it freely. So he didn't obey Jesus. Mm. And to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in the unpopulated areas where they now had to come to him. Hmm. And so it does seem to be that Jesus is saying, oh, that's, that's why I told you not to tell anybody. <laughs> it's like, come on now. Now I got to go out to Moxville or something and, you know, hang out and sit out here in the country. And But um, obviously that's part of the ministry, but I, I think that's it. David, do you, anything you'd add to that? or No, I think um, it's it's interesting. Uh, but I think Allie may have a point there. It wasn't the time yeah. for perhaps that degree of crowding to press in upon him. He would often withdraw from the crowds, mm-hmm. be alone, which you mentioned yeah. early on. It struck yeah. me, too, as remarkable, given yeah. he knew he only had three short years right. all that time alone. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, hopefully our groups can can kind of talk through that and understand that. and. Um, and see his display. And so that really brings us to the last look at Luke this week. And with that, you know, what I thought we would maybe uh, touch on as we close out here is that, you know, Jesus appears uh, to be teaching, ministering, healing an awful lot in front of skeptics, not just those that didn't know him, uh, but those who were uh, opponents of his, who, um, who certainly had a beef with him. And, um, you know, not just curious, but we, what we notice about this is how he handles this. And so out of that, you know, what advice would we give those who find themselves teaching, ministering, technically, you know, defending Christ in front of skeptics? Any thoughts on that? Do we, do you see anything in Jesus there or anything that maybe you would advise someone? Ellie? <laughs> um, well, so he kind of makes this argument here, which is easier to do, um, to say it or to actually heal him. And, um, you know, I remember in another gospel or something where he said, I'm doing this so, you know, you need a sign or wonder for me to, okay. for you to believe. Right, right. And so... Um, here, I think it's the same thing as he's saying, which one is easier? Okay, let me do the hardest thing so that you will believe because right. I know you need that. Okay. And um, so um, I, th- I think that's interesting. In terms of us, though, our ability to relate to other people, I think one thing 
you know, we don't, we're not empowered like he is. However, we can still receive the power from the Holy Spirit. So we really have to uh, ask for and try to discern that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one time I was witnessing to someone and it really didn't matter what I said. There was there was just so much anger and resentment. Mm. And we were kind of arguing about the rules and, you know, theology, but really it was the heart. And and he kind of got to the, you know, he was able to discern the yeah, heart condition. Yeah. And so I, I think um, in witnessing, if we can um, try to hone in on the appropriate heart condition to receive God, then, you know, it kind of makes it a little easier yeah, for that yeah. other person to grasp what it takes. Yeah. And um, to, to realize that um, there's always grace and there's always um, yes. enabling by the Spirit to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's just better to listen to wherever they're coming from and, uh, you know, try to find um, what, what God would want them to know based on whatever yeah. that that particular issue yeah. is. Yeah. Well, good. So well, listening you. more than talking. Listening really. more than talking. Thank you. Yeah. David, advice for? I would just say um, don't fear. Yeah. Don't compromise in order to appeal to people. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't back down, never compromise. Yeah. Um, if he had skeptics and people who opposed him, certainly we will too. Right. Um, right. Speak the truth in love. And not everybody's going to be happy about it. Yeah, yeah. I, that, laying the same place, the grace and truth yeah. and, and love. And, you know, I would say also just uh, know the scriptures you know, when we know his word and then rely on his word. You know, when we're teaching in, uh, to our opponents, it's not opinions. It's it's truth through his word. Um, and be equipped, yeah. which mm-hmm. is, I think, a great um, a great uh, lesson for all of us in our discipleship and our movement forward when we encounter these. Well, good. Well, uh, wonderful passages. And uh, thank you for joining us, Allie. Thank you for having me. David, yeah. And uh, thank all of you for joining us this week on Table Talk. Until we uh, are back again next week, may we all know the power and the touch and the presence of Jesus in our daily walk. Blessings, friends. <laughs>